There's another podcast you should be listening to, TED Health, a podcast from the TED Audio Collective. Join host Dr. Shoshana Ungerleiter as she introduces you to leading health experts and breaks down the health questions you didn't know you had. Learn more about the way your body works and the newest insights changing the medical world, like what a smart bra means for better heart health, three ways to prepare for the next pandemic, and how we can all live healthier lives. Find TED Health wherever you listen to podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Welcome to Free Good Friday, our weekly segment where we dive into the weird and wild news of the world of health. This week, what's a generation? Ooh, yeah, brother. P-mystery solved. And I got a little history lesson for the boys. Let's go. Oh, I love history. What's a generation? Oh, that's an Honestly, uh, I mean, should let the music play out, but... I kind of want to talk over the music a little bit because uh, even though this artist, Rich, our best friend, has given us the rights to use this music, YouTube just, YouTube doesn't YouTube just care. seems to think that we don't have the rights. And uh, technically, I guess. I guess technically we don't. Technically we don't. Well, we, we, but we have the blessing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I was yeah, going to yeah, say, yeah, it's yeah, more yeah. of a blessing yeah. than YouTube a right. YouTube does not <laughs> believe in blessings. <laughs> no, that's right. Um, I, actually, I actually refuted or, or disputed, I guess, a couple of the copyright claims against us. And I just wrote, but he's our friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But he told me. And, uh, and hey, big shout out to uh, all the folks that have, uh, that have followed. Uh, was it Elaine? 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 Elena. Elena. Thank you. Elena. Uh, Elena? Fuck, man. Now F- whatever. Now I'm all turned uh, Or Elena. That <laughs> really cool woman who left the comment uh, that she thought that we were, uh, that we were very, very good looking. I think that's all she said. It was like, you guys, wow, you guys are hot um, on, our, on our YouTube. Some people followed suit the next week. We, we doubled our audience. That's it. Yeah. There was two people that chimed in. <laughs> it's a YouTube revolution. <laughs> so anyway, go on over to YouTube. If you want to watch the, uh, the episode, you can play it, uh, play it in the background it's, while you're washing dishes. Or it's, whatever the fuck. Uh, it's still an exclusive club. Yeah. You could also, you could also throw it on your phone and, uh, and just put it on the dash of your car while you're driving. Easy to watch while you're driving. Mm-hmm. So, um, I do that when, um, like big sporting events are on. Sure. Yeah. And we're, um, tr- we're, we're really trying to increase watch time. So like you, like just, <laughs> Just let it run. That's like, right. Even yeah, if you're yeah. not really watching yeah. it. Yeah. Just if let the it car, run. If you ca- crash the car, just make sure that the f- that you don't lock your phone and don't call the police. Let somebody else take care of that. Let yeah. the video run. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, to the history lesson. I actually, we did this during the, we've done it a few times, but I really had a lot of fun doing it during the Gabor Mate live show uh, in December, where during our, our opening segment where we warm up the audience, where uh, 75% of them had no idea who the fuck we were because they were <laughs> there to see their daddy. Uh, Canada's daddy, daddy Mate. Um, but we had a lot of fun with that history lesson. And I found another one. Actually, you uh, inspired the next one. So thank you for that, Tay. Uh, but before we get into it, one little announcement. Uh, folks, if you've been listening to the podcast since the inception, you know that the podcast has evolved. And these episodes, these Feel Good Friday episodes, if you aren't aware, are a byproduct of COVID. Uh, one of the positives that came from COVID. Uh, one of the, one of the good things that came out of that, uh, horrible time. And so, uh, so we've been doing this, sh- this, this segment feel good Friday for a little while. And today marks our 200th feel good Friday episode. Wow. Congrats guys. Thanks everybody. I really appreciate it. Re- wow. Stop it. And it's really no, amazing stop. to do this no, in front of a live stop. studio audience. Okay. Times. Shut up. You're too. Thank you. Oh, oh damn. Uh, so congrats, guys, and uh, and thanks for tuning in for these 200 episodes. Hopefully this one will be a banger. Uh, let's get into it. Uh, this So I, I found this to be very fascinating. I had no idea about this prior to reading this article. This was written by a woman named uh, Jean Twenge. Um, she's a PhD, a professor of psychology, and she's a, she's a, uh, she specializes in, in, like, in generational research. So um, uh, and the, the like sort of, generational research as in it takes a really, like she's doing the same thing. Like, no, I, I mean, whole, I could have, whole time. I, I actually could have wrong what it is that her specialty is, but basically she, she focuses on like generations. So like we are, ge- we are the generation of millennials. Right. Um, and so the psychology of any, of a particular generation. Yeah. How, how like your general, like, uh, what makes the generation a generation? What are the things that precede it that that make them 
you know, that, what are the, what are the effects that make a generation a generation? Mm. Now I thought I, do you guys know how generations are named? No. So that's, that's what we're going to get into here. And I'm quite surprised that I mean, it, it is, seemed, it, it was, it seemed like it was going in a alphabetical. I, I mean, I don't ever, I've, I've heard of Gen X, Gen Y, Gen Z. Yep. Uh, I know that we're millennials. I don't know if that, I don't know if millennial is just a colloquial term or if we have a, if we great. have a, I love this. This is a, great. A, a, donut. Uh, donut. Don't do that. Was someone knocking on the door? I don't know. Someone might be here. Let, uh, come yeah, in. One sec, one sec. Come on in. Could be. Might be someone afraid of. Uh, come here, donut. All right. Uh, well, we'll just cut this out. Jesus Christ. That fucking can of post guy started a goddamn, I started a goddamn group howl. Holy fuck. Yeah, he did. Yeah. All right. Holy shit. <laughs> it's a bit, <laughs> holy fuck. The whole office is going every dog, off. Maybe, every, we, maybe let's keep this. Every dog all. in the building is, uh, <laughs> is sounding the alarm right now. Hey, hey, quiet, quiet. It's okay. The mailman is Don't here. Act. Quiet. Quiet. Good, good, quiet. Here you go. Yeah, so, I don't know. Like, aren't, okay, millennials so Gen well, on, Y. Sorry, sorry. There we go. So, aren't aren't okay? Aren't millennials Gen Y? So, so here, how about this? Before we get into the name, the 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 way that they are named, I'll lay out the generations so far. Okay, Gen A, the original one was Jesus and his <laughs> like homies. Right, not quite. Um, so the disciples. So the first generation uh, that I, the first generation name that ever came to be was, uh, was from uh, 1901. So 1901 to, to 1927. Do you guys know the, the first generation? Nope. So it w. Is, it's called, this is, this is, I don't know how I feel about this. I, I mean, I'm kind of like, why? Uh, it's called the greatest generation. No, uh, so they're better than us. It has to do with the industrial revolution. So these folks were uh, um, were impacted by the Great Depression, which molded their children in regards to uh, um, frugality. Is that how you pronounce that? More like, like fragility. Like, like, for, like, like <laughs> maybe it's a uh, reference to frugal. Fr yeah, frugalness. yeah, yeah, frugalness. Uh, this group was also representative of the majority of soldiers in World War II. So the Greatest Generation, 1901 to 1927. We then have uh, 1928 to 45. The silent generation. So all everybody born between 1928 to 1945 were mute. We all know this. Um, the baby boomer generation was 46 to 64. Mm -hmm. Generation X followed that, 65 to 80. Now I'm going to get into that. There's a little bit of there's a little bit of uh, controversy around that. Uh, then we have millennials, which would be us, 1981 to 96, followed by Gen Z, uh, 96 to 2012. Also. A little bit of a uh, Gen Z might, you know, there's some, there's some debate there on the name. Uh, then we have 2013 to 2025, which is the current generation. Um, and that is Gen called Gen Alpha. Alpha. Okay. It's interesting because like, I, when I think of generations, I, I'm, I'm surprised that there's even a name for the generation that of people that are born now, because I would have thought since I have no clue about any of this or how it works, I would have thought that the name, that the name actually comes, or maybe not the name, but the um, like the period yeah. that we define a generation as has to is, end is, before. Well, that it's actually something that we don't know until after the fact. That like because, happens during that time because or you look back and you go, well, we see a divide in cultural yeah. norms with people born after this time. Because they're they've become influenced by far different yeah. things than the than people born before that. Well, very good, Tay. Um, and you you might be onto something there. So so according to this woman, Jean, I'm just going to read you her her uh, her essay that she wrote about this, um, and we'll we'll kind of interject as we go. So um, this is the thing that that kind of surprised me. So no official commission or group decides what each generation is called, and when it starts and when it ends. Instead, different names and birth year cutoffs are proposed and through a somewhat haphazard process of consensus slowly develops in the media and popular parlance. Mm. Because generations are often shaped by specific events, their labels and spans sometimes differ from one country to another. So what we're going to be talking about here 
is encapsulated in the generations according to the United States, which I think kind of like falls under, we would fall under that as well. I don't yeah. think Canada has mm-hmm. any like, like you know, I think generation we're in, I think Trudeau we're influenced or you know? in a very similar it's generation liberal cuck Trudeau. I believe <laughs> is what <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's interesting to th- think about that. Like that idea that, there's no official body that's determining what right. that is. It's but like, literally pop culture. But there must be like it's people who are actively system. thinking about well, this and like sort of this woman that this woman Jean is one of those people. Okay. So so baby, let's talk with, about baby boomers. Okay. So baby boomers are the most well defined of the 20th century generations. Uh, they were named after the post World War II spike in birth rate that began in 1946. So everybody came back from the war started fucking like rabbits and a bunch of babies were born baby boomers. The demographers, which are sociologists who study these types of trends, uh, set the end of the boom in births at 64. So 46 to 1964, so 46 to 64, the usual span for boomers. And to Taylor's point, like they would have, those demographers would have looked back on that period and said, that's where that, like the trend sort of end in that spike in, in booming. So like that's the end of that period. Yeah. So uh, now some argue that those born in the early sixties were actually too young to experience the counterculture of the sixties, early Mm seventies and shouldn't really be considered boomers. So again, this, so this is where we're getting into like people go, well, I don't think I like, I don't think it's six, you know, 46 to 64. I think it should be whatever, whatever. I mean, I feel like that about Gen Z when I hear 96 is considered Gen Z. Right. I, I go, that seems too old to be Gen Z right. in, in the, in the cultural um, context in which I see or think about Gen Z. Those are the people who like, who like the true Gen Zers who are like born in like the height of that period of time. Look at those people on the fringe and go, Oh, you don't really get it though. Right. Because I remember growing up in the 90s. It's kind of like what I, like Maddie's born in in 1995. And so like I look at like her experience and December of 95 and I'm like, well, you're not really a millennial, but also you're not really Gen Z. So like, Mm -hmm. how do you fit into that? So the post-boomer generation born in the 60s and 70s went unnamed until the 1990s. Kind of what you were sort of uh, alluding to there, Tay. Um, some journalists proposed, okay, <laughs> so here's what, here's one of the first names that came for, for, uh, for this, this, this next generation. Uh, some journalists proposed baby busters, uh, which for some reason, I don't know why, but it just reminds me of this. Little buff boys. This is my favorite competition. Poor, uh, poor uh, troll boy. He just never can get a fucking break. Um, so uh, uh, Baby Busters, it was a clunky and derivative moniker that unsurprisingly did not stick. It sucked. Uh, the label that did endure was Generation X. Uh, taken from the title. So this is where Generation X came from. It, it came from a Douglas Copeland published uh, uh, novel in 1991. Um, so Generation X, if you're not familiar, uh, is is basically, um, well, in the era of like Richard Linkletter's movie Slacker and and the grunge music scene of Pearl Jam and Nirvana, the vague and slightly cynical label seemed fitting. And so Gen X grabbed Boomer's individualism and purified it, uh, situating situating it squarely within the winner-take-all capitalism of the 1980s and embracing new opportunities for women and minorities. Uh, Generation X, the birth year, of, of generation X are debated, but settle somewhere around 65 to 80. So if you aren't familiar, uh, do you guys know, do you guys get this reference? Um, this is like the theme song for generation. You guys, is this BC boys? Nope. You want to, do you want to see where this is from? Yeah. All right. This is, this is generation X's, uh, 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 opening opening entrance. Tell us what to do. <laughs> Suck it. Fuck yeah, guys. Oh, yeah. Uh, for Hell those of yeah. you who are just watching or just listening at home, that is the uh, entrance music for X Pac, 
uh, WWE wrestler, WWF at the time. I remember and, uh, and actually, uh, Taylor got suspended for uh, giving the suck it to one of his teachers. <laughs> it was in a mis- high school. It was a mistaken <laughs> suck it. I'm not going to go into it. I didn't do it. He thought I did, and I fucking didn't, and I got suspended anyway because no one believed me. The funny part is, troublemaker. The funny part is, Taylor's told this story, and it's it's a fucking great story. He like, I mean, I personally, I don't believe you. I think you're a fucking liar. <laughs> I also but don't. The story, the, the way that Taylor tells the story is that he did this. And I'm only going to just for the for the people just listening at home. You're not going to see this. So, if okay, you so see it. if you want to see what Taylor says he did, it's this. Well, give me a little bit of I'll give you a little bit of context. Sure. Some, a, a teacher of mine yeah. who I was friends gonna, with. You're the teacher. I'm you who I was friends with. Hey, are you going to be at practice later, Taylor? And I gave the, I gave the, the don't say it because okay. you got to see it. Yep. Yeah. Now what I think you happened was let's, let's recreate what I actually think happened. And are you going to be at practice later, Taylor? <laughs> <laughs> dude, that's triple X, dude. That's triple X. Um, <laughs> Xbox. Yeah, or triple I, H. Sorry. Guys, I, I saw no, it's, uh, it's Xbox. Triple <laughs> H started doing it because Xbox. Triple H and Kevin Nash joined. Oh, okay. I mean, you know the lore. I'm not going to argue. The attitude era was the best era. Jody posted a uh, reshared a, a reel yesterday that I saw. That was Jody it was Carrington? like yeah. Did did you see uh, that? It everyone was, comes from somewhere. Podcast? It was it was um it was that produced by uh, Snack Labs. Teen boys, are which the, is us, are like like teen boys are the the worst gaslighters in the world. It was like, <laughs> it was like this teacher who was not, like, not like pretending to be a, a teen, teen boy. And, and, uh, and, uh, and he was, like, he was like, he was like, he was like, you guys settle down over there. And then it cuts to him and he's like, Oh man, we weren't even doing anything. <laughs> and the teacher's like, am I crazy? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So by the early two thousands, it was time to name the next generation of young people. The easy solution was following Gen X, Gen Y. Because of of course Y comes after X, uh, but just like Baby Busters, Gen Y didn't stick. Neil Howe and William Strauss, uh, their their two thousand book Millennials Rising, named the generation born in the years following nineteen eighty after the new century, and Millennials was the label that endured. So that's why we are millennials. I like what's interesting. You guys like it? I like the name I like, millennials. Yeah, I like millennials. Sure, but it's interesting that Gen Y did did survive in some ways because I was going, Oh, is Gen Y the, well, first of all, I thought maybe there was like an official body that names it. Uh, mm-hmm. obviously that's not true now that we know this, but I was like, Oh, maybe Gen Y is the official name, but it's just become popularly, popularly known as millennials. Yeah. yeah that's what I thought too. Um, so, I, I like the idea of millennials because it makes me think of like the millennium, the turn of, uh, obviously, um, uh, it makes me think of, of, like Y2K. Yeah. And totally. I think, that, eh? I think a big part of that Very. is like, was like the, the popularity of the internet and yeah. that becoming totally. sort of mainstream. And, and I think that that is something that like has defined our generation, like yeah. growing up and I, and I think the learning thing, how to use this tool. And like, I feel like, I feel like, I, I mean, millennial works, but I feel like we should, we should have been called the red pill generation. Ooh, that's <laughs> nice. I know. And I feel like the thing with Matt, the thing that you bring up with Maddie of her being born in 1995 and her being kind of in this like limbo between generations or feeling that way, or maybe us perceiving her that way is because it's like, if you weren't, if you, if you weren't a old enough to be like a, like a, like a really clearly defined switched on conscious being when the defining moment that ends up naming the generation, like, like the turn of the millennium, Y2K, all the internet stuff. Like we were already, we had already hit the ground running with all the things that sort of defined the turn of the millennium and the turn of the century. Mm-hmm. Whereas somebody like Maddie, who was five years old at the time, you know, she's still walking around like blabbing and, you know, making <laughs> pretty much no sense of anything. <laughs> and, and so it's like, how does she, that's a, that'd be a weird, that'd be a weird thing to define to like put her in a box do you know what I mean? Yeah, that yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like there should be this sort of like limbo phase between generations. 
This is the opening. Brian doesn't get it. This is the opening it's, music it's, to it's the it's a movie called The Matrix. Oh, wow. Uh, it came out <laughs> right around the... It was 1999. 1999, yeah. So um, uh, the, the new generation uh, was shaped by a cultural rise in self-focused individualism that fostered both its sense of entitlement and its embrace of equality. Millennials were also deeply affected by the Great Recession, which walloped their high expectations for their lives as and futures as they were starting their careers. Huh, that's very interesting. Wait, what's the start of the what's the start of of the of generation uh, of, of, of millennial? Of, is it nineteen ninety? A millennial. Uh, it is uh, nineteen eighty one to ninety six. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Because yeah. I was going, wow, the recession really didn't affect me that much. But I guess that that speaks to how like wide ranging a generation mm-hmm. is. Like, I didn't feel. I was 18 when yeah. the recession happened. I think so. we did though. I mean, like you, I think maybe you did a you good did, job at like navigating did, it. Since, you did but, via your family. But but think of, think if of you like, my age. think of like the amount of our friends who didn't go to university. Um, yeah. And, and in large part, probably because, you know, like our parents didn't have like money put aside yeah, right. for like us to go and just go to university and it was going to be easy. Like if I wanted to go to university, I was going to have to work the entire time. And, and I like couldn't qualify for student loans. You don't like to work. (laughs) But, but I think that there is that like knock on effect where like maybe it wasn't exactly in the moment when we were like entering the workforce. Um, But at the same time, there was a a big effect. I feel like it's a big effect that, that at the time you wouldn't have necessarily said like, well, this is happening because of the recession. But it was like your family was probably, your parents were probably quite impacted by it. Yeah. And then, you know, and Which then, then obviously affects that us. affects you yeah. in terms of yeah. like whatever. I mean, you know, like yeah. exactly like you said, like maybe the maybe the money that was there to send you to university all of a sudden goes up in smoke. Mm-hmm. And then that, you know, alters the trajectory of your It was all spent life. on uh, the first computer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so uh, Gene goes on to say, like most people writing about generations, I initially assumed that the millennial era, era would continue until those born around 1999. But uh, about 2011, I started to notice some very sudden shifts in the large national data sets I analyze, such as Monitoring the Future, a government-funded study uh, administered by the University of Michigan that asks teens thousands of questions about their behavior, emotions, and drug and alcohol use. Members of this generation were the first to spend their entire adolescence with a smartphone. So Jean did not refer to them as Gen uh, Z. She actually came up with the term... uh, Screenies. iGen. Oh, uh, in a nod to the iPhone, three-fourths of those people own, uh, and define them as those born from 1995 to 2012. With, uh, as with previous generations, it's taking a while to find a consensus here. Now, mm. so according to her, she feels like iGen and Gen Z, like there isn't quite the this sort of definitive decided generational name, but I, I, I believe Gen Z has kind of taken the, it feels, has taken the lead. It yeah. feels firmly. Cause I, I, I'm not familiar with iGen, but I iGen's do like iGen. Dumb. I, I, I kind of like iGen. I think it reminds me of when, like when Apple was really naming everything, I everything. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and I just feel like it, it's like played out. Like yeah. it, if I if, would agree with, if you it now. became popular, you know, six or seven years ago, yeah. that would make more sense. But it's sense still more, it's still cl- more clearly defined. It has a, it has a more obvious nod to like what it means than Gen Z. I think we should call them screenies. So here, here's so so the 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 Gen Z i Gen there there's more there was more kind of added or, or rather uh, more options. We're all screenies suggested now. for this generation, and and I think you guys are going to find this one funny. So some have used Gen Z for this group. I think most now are. Um, I'm not sure when this was written. I should should have looked at that. Uh, but others have argued that if millennials are no longer Gen Y then Gen Z doesn't seem to fit, right? Because we were, we were millennials. So Gen Z, it doesn't technically fit. Uh, now, how the guy, one of the guys that uh, came up with the, with, I believe, uh, the millennials, Millennial Rising, the, one of the authors there, uh, who helped name the millennials, has suggested that members of this group be called... <laughs> be Little called, fuckers. Be called, uh, be called Homelanders. That's I'm awesome. I'm smarter. I'm better. I am better. 
after their upbringing in the same time of Homeland Security. However, I doubt that anyone will want to be named after the government agency that makes you take your shoes off at the airport. As I document in my recent book, iGen, this generation spends more time online and less time with friends in person. Given the links between screen time and unhappiness, that might also be why members of this group are less self-confident and less optimistic than millennials were as teens. They, also, they are also at the forefront of a mental health crisis, which rates of depression and anxiety soaring among teens and young adults. With the oldest members of iGen only 23, it may take some time for this group mon- group's moniker to firmly be established. Dude, I don't, I don't know if I agree with that uh, confidence thing. Man, like, have you seen kids fucking making TikToks in public? Like the, I don't think that's the, confidence. I think that's uh, that's that's lack of awareness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would probably agree yeah. with that. So lackeys could be a good yeah term for yeah them. cringe uh, a generation cringe. Dude, yeah. <laughs> you know what's really interesting is um, I I watched a so uh, big big think has been doing these uh, kind of like medium length documentaries like 40, 45 minutes. You watched the docs. the latest one uh, on consciousness. Uh, yeah, I did. Fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah it was great. Loved and it. so the same guy from the well, the like from the well series. Yeah. Um, uh, dispatches from the well, I should say, uh, on the Santa Fe Institute, which was, I can't remember when he said it was set up. I want to say the eighties, but it might've been like, maybe been more like the sixties or seventies, basically like an interdisciplinary institute for like all, 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 um, uh, disciplines of science to basically come together and go, why does the, to, to try and, to try and get to like the heart of like really big questions like why are we here but not working in um in individual silos but bringing everybody together and like not making certain not making departments or labs for certain disciplines but just everybody is just like sloshed together working together on on and and bringing in trying to figure out like this would be a this would be like a great piece to something at the santa fe institute like looking at the way that generations form and cultures change and like what are all of the what are all the factors the exogenous factors Mm -hmm. that are influencing how a generation becomes Mm -hmm. rooted in some type of definition and it's very cool they should be called tiktokies uh uh, gene uh, concludes her essay here the generational names and spans may be squishy but the evidence for generational differences is strong knowing what generation you are doesn't perfectly predict your attitudes and experiences, but it can tell you something about how the culture and events of the time mold what you believe, how you spend your time, and what you become. No matter what generation you are in, the shifting winds of culture and technology affect you for better, for worse, and almost always for both. Mm. Uh, I love that. I just loved reading that. Like it just, it was, I found it so fascinating, learned a lot and, uh, and really interesting to kind of look at that. So Again, uh, you know, if it sticks, Generation Alpha, that's the generation right now. And uh, the oldest people in this group would be about nine years old uh, this year. Uh, now, whenever this whenever this was fucking put out, 2022, so, uh, so that's so 11 interesting. years old. It's um, interesting just to think about, like, how funny is it that uh, following Generation Alpha is going to be beta. the fucking, I mean, Generation Trudeau. It should, it just should just be Generation Trudeau. Generation <laughs> Beta, you know what I'm saying? Oh! It is so interesting to think about Zaya and soon to be, uh, soon to be born second daughter and like what will be the cultural influences that shape yeah. their generation. Dude, like, think about how they'll grow up and like when they are our ages, man. Gen Z will be like the older, wiser yeah. God people. God damn it. What cringe. <laughs> uh, let's move on to a very quick story. Well, let me tell you something, brother. Hogan uh, has just hit the news. This is breaking. Breaking okay? news coming from CTV, uh, uh, our, our competitor. Another, uh, our competitor. another uh, this, sex tape? This, uh, this was yesterday. No, it has nothing to do with the sex tape. Oh. When did um, he have a sex tape? Uh, that, was, uh, that was a number of years back. Oh, okay. When, TM- he, when like- it was a big TMZ but like bust. Okay. Uh, retired wrestler Hulk Hogan and a friend rescued a teenage girl who was trapped in an overturned vehicle after a crash in Florida. Holy shit. Did he, uh, tur- did he fucking flip the vehicle back onto its tires? No, actually listen to this. So Hogan said on the social media platform X, uh, that he used a ballpoint pen to puncture the car's airbag and free the girl after witnessing the accident. He said in the tweet, sorry, the X, 
the crazy part about the teenager that flipped her car was with, that without a knife to puncture the airbags to get her out, uh, Indian Rock's Christian uh, ballpoint pen came in really, it came in really handy. He's is this 70. a is this uh, a... really handy to pot the bags? He's 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 seventy. He's over seventy years old. Uh, thank you, God. All is well, even now. Amen. Hulk Hogan. Oh yeah, brother. Uh, his new wife, yoga instructor Sky Daly, took to Facebook to praise the quick action taken by her seven-year-old husband. Is this a TMZ article? No, it's a it's a uh, our competitors article. Oh, okay, right. CTV. CTV. Uh, <laughs> quote: By all appearances, she was unscathed, uh, just really rattled, which is an absolute miracle. Daly wrote. Um, yeah, so just, to, just throwing this out there, um, a pocket knife is so handy. It is. At opening boxes. I open a lot of boxes, pocket knife, boom, all the time. We should be generation Amazon. We, <laughs> yeah, dude. Right. <laughs> I read, um, I said, I, I can't remember what it was like. It was like, uh, generation it, prime. It was dude. like nine. Yeah. Generation <laughs> prime. It was, uh, 19, it was Amazon 1999. <laughs> we sell books online. Amazon 2024. Hello, fellow prime citizen. Please return to your prime dwelling for your prime meal. Um, yeah. So, uh, so good job, Hogan. Still, still out there uh, uh, making waves and and just didn't change. Didn't change the haircut. Didn't change the mustache. Still looks. Do you think it's so interesting think, when people do you carry think when the he character? put the pen into the bag? Airbag and it popped. He went, went oh yeah. He went, I'm going to get you, brother. Hell yeah, bro. I'm going to get you out of there, brother. Just one second, brother. Are vegans actually unhealthy? Does cannabis ruin your sleep? And why are so many men taking testosterone supplements? I'm Mitch. And I'm Greg. And we're the creators of the popular YouTube channel, ASAP Science. Every week on our podcast, Side Note by ASAP Science, we explain the science behind a controversial subject with recent research, up-to-date studies, and ridiculous stories so you are entertained while, bam, simultaneously learning. We're here to make science make sense. Download Side Note by ASAP Science wherever you got your podcasts um let's uh let's move on to a very interesting uh piece of research this is this blew my my mind i had no idea so uh we're gonna get into the world of of uh uh who's saying this again who who chumbawamba chumbawamba Uh, something uh this is uh this is all about piss (laughs) what what is tub thumping I have no idea. I'm gonna have to uh, I'm gonna have to bleep that out. I yeah, think, I don't think you can say that. You can't say you, tub thumping. No, you definitely. You just, sorry, I, could, I did. I didn't have it set. <laughs> I didn't have it ready. You can't say. Um, oh shit! So, did you guys know this? Okay, so, so okay. Uh, we didn't know why our ye- pee was yellow. We haven't known. We've never known. I read that article isn't headline. It just, isn't it yesterday? just what urea? Isn't it urea? And when urea is diluted with. When nope. you drink a lot of water, it no, just it's like it's, it's the exact same way as how we don't know why the ocean's blue. We do know why. What? <laughs> no, we don't. We, do you? Have you ever scooped up water in your hands? Yeah, dude. Not I mean, blue there. Or I, I mean, we <laughs> oh could, you God, could also dude. say the tides. Right? You had the me tides. for a second there. We, we I was like, we wait, what? Are we, you we, fucking serious? Right we now? don't understand the yeah. tides. They come, they go. We, you know, we can't explain. <laughs> them. And magnets, dude. Don't even how get us started on magnets. I mean, we definitely don't know how they work. Uh, most people have never wondered how and why their urine became yellow, but scientists have been puzzling over it for more than a century, uh, a number of generations. Uh, back in the late 19th century, not many medical researchers identified uh, urobilin as the chemical compound that gives pee its distinctive chartreuse hue. What they didn't know chartreuse. was... Yeah, yeah, yeah yellow chartreuse. There's also green chartreuse. So if you, what is so chartreuse? I should say this: if your pet piss like looks a, like green it's chartreuse, like a vibrant yellow, go to the hospital. Mm. Uh, what they didn't know was how exactly the human body, or rather our resident uh, colony of gut micro, uh, microbes, produce urobilin out of another compound called bili, uh, bilirubin. Oh, like I'm Billy Babies, Billy, which Billy is Rubin. a waste product from the death of red blood blood cells. So okay, good. Billy Rubin, do we know? We've talked about Billy Rubin before. Uh-huh. What's it linked to? Aren't they blue? It's, li- it's linked to a bunch of things, but John, this would be like one thing. I thought uh, Billy John's. Babies were blue for some reason. Can you Google that? Uh, what, what color is a Billy Baby? It's a Billy, Billy Baby. I would have said like 
uh, yellow or greenish. Yeah. Uh, Billy babies are, uh, uh, well, let's go to images. Uh, well, this Billy baby is blue, but it's under a blue light. So maybe that's where you're. Oh, shoot. Maybe uh, I've just looked at pictures of. Them. Oh, Billy light. Oh, look at that. Billy. What's a fucking Billy light? Guys, uh, let's do the Wikipedia <laughs> game. A Billy light is a th- uh, light therapy tool to treat newborn jaundice. So Billy babies are yellow, but they put them under blue, which turns them green. green. <laughs> Hold on. What's the what's the Wikipedia game? Is that like where you see how many how many links you have to follow before you get to Kevin Bacon's page? Uh, it's very similar, actually. The, so do you want me to tell you? Yes. The, I've heard of it, but I can't remember. This is completely not relevant to the podcast, but this is a fucking awesome game to play with friends. Uh, very fun for like a like a, you know, small social gathering of it's like instead of playing um Catan, you could play the Wikipedia game. So how it works is, uh, let's say the three of us are going to play. So Brian, I think you, we've played on a on a hang. Oh uh, yeah, we might have. Yeah, we might have. So Brian, you would have a laptop or a phone. Taylor, uh, you would have a laptop or a phone. And um, I would give you Brian a a random thing, like a a the a, a, a random word, a thing. Person, place, or thing, right? So it could be, uh, let's say, let's say Billy Light. So I'll give you Billy Light. You would go to the Billy Light Wikipedia page. And then Taylor, I would give you the Cuban Missile Crisis. Okay. So you go to the Cuban Missile Crisis Wikipedia page. And then, uh, and okay, so that's where you guys start. Now, I'm also going to give a third thing. So let's say it is, let's say it's, um, uh, let's say it's, uh, Lego, let's say it's Hasbro. Okay. So the word Hasbro. Not now, sponsored. I already, not gonna, you I, already, guys I already know I'm going to get there. Have faster. to use your page just simply clicking the hyperlinks I would to get, there get to Hasbro. First I can person. do it in my mind. Do it in your mind really quick. <laughs> I, do my Billy baby, baby, kid, kid, <laughs> child think, toys. You would get there. Faster. Child toys, Hasbro. Yeah. How, how, what would you think is the first thing you would do to try to get to Hasbro? Oh, I don't know. I just think that they're more closely Dude, related. You had the Cuban <coughs> Missile Crisis. I think, Cuban I, think I think they're more. I think they're more. I think they're more uh, related. I already uh, did mine so in like my head. Spoken like a true capitalist. <laughs> so anyway, um, let's get back to uh, Chartreuse Hugh P. So what they didn't know was was how the human body turns the urobilin to bilirubin. Now, a study in the peer-reviewed journal Piss Nature. Uh, Sorry, claim- what? Yeah, it's called Piss Nature. No, it's, it's not. Yeah. Uh, claims to have identified the enzyme that produces urobilin. Piss Nature. That's a fucking... Let's look that up. Piss Nature. Piss Nature. Uh, ChatGPT can't get everything right. Oh, you know what's really funny is I put in piss... <laughs> I put in piss nature. Guess what the first link was? The uh, uh, Nature.com, Nature Journal. Uh, and it is at the urine revolution, how recycling pee could help save whatever else is going to say. Okay. So uh, it's in Nature Microbiology was the name of the, the, the actual journal. Okay. So named uh, bilirubin reductase, the enzymes discovery could help understand how gut micro- microbes influence harmful conditions such as jaundice, gallstones, and inflammatory bowel disease. Quote, it is remarkable that an everyday biological phenomenon went unexplained for so long and our team is excited to be able to explain it, said lead author and univer- uh, uh, at University of Maryland professor Brantley Hall. Do you guys, uh, you know, when I was setting this up, I was looking for P sound clips. And I got so many. I'm sure you do. You guys want to hear some? Was it, wait, was it difficult to find ones labeled P? Not at all. It was, there were <laughs> really? so many. I had to cut myself hey, off. Have you ever been dragged to the sidewalk and beat until you pissed blood? Nick Cage, of Nick course. Cage. Um, I mean, I, we don't have to. I can't talk oh, you right were. Now. I'm making piss. <laughs> <laughs> I well, love, I thought I you were looking for like like sound Wait. effects of like pee going in a toilet. And I, that's what out. I was going to do. But then all this other shit came up and I was like, this is way better. <laughs> so speaking to Healthline, uh, Mr. Hall further explained, quote, unfortunately, gut microbes can be challenging to study. The gut is a low oxygen environment uh, and many of the bacteria in our guts can't survive if too much oxygen is present, making them difficult to grow and perform experiments in a, in a, in a lab. Um, uh, on top of that, it makes it much more challenging for humans like us or 
the the classroom full of children in a school bus that is magic that can drive into that low oxygen environment uh, because they cannot breathe. But he said recent advances in genetics allowed the scientists to compare the DNA of different microbe strains and identify the gene responsible for bilirubin reductase. Pissing all by yourself, handsome? In a summary, <laughs> uh, in summary, we unraveled the fundamental aspect of how our gut microbiomes influence our daily lives, my, uh, Mr. Hall concluded. Scientists have long known that the amount of urobilin, or urobilin sorry, in a person's blood and thus the color of their urine is a crucial indicator of certain diseases. The sound of your piss hitting the urinal? Guys, wouldn't it, it be really feminine. funny? Wouldn't it be really funny if there was an episode of Magic School Bus where Miss Frizzle was like, all right, kids, let's get off the bus. She opens the door and she just, just goes, close the door, there's no oxygen. Jaundice, for example, uh, results from an overload of bilirubin in the body, sometimes because it's not being properly metabolized by the liver or other organs. Um, the new study also found that newborn babies who are vulnerable to jaundice and people with inflammatory bowel disease have lower levels of bilirubin reductase, suggesting that its absence may contribute to such diseases. Rest. So much wrestling in this fucking episode. <laughs> Rest in piss. <laughs> oh, God. That's so funny. That, that, was one of, that was one of my favorite ones. That's gross, um, you guys. So Mr. Hall now hopes that uh, to test that idea through human studies, examining how our gut microbes production of the reductase influences the amount of bilirubin. Does this sound over overly complicated to you guys? I imagine I like just imagined <laughs> All that they could does, take really. the pee <laughs> that is yellow and go. Well, oh, like, let's like figure out how yeah. to like divide this up and yeah. s- sort this out and figure out what's causing it to be yellow. Jesus Christ, Brian, why weren't you present? <laughs> but the, but like ob- in the it, lab, right? That must be that must be overly simplified, yeah, right? I, like, I, like I, it, I would guess you just can't do that, right? Right? I mean, we, you know right? what? We really don't know. You know, I would probably we, we hazard say- to guess that they didn't start with <laughs> the most complicated possible <laughs> thing. I wish, and then go towards I, the simplest. I wish the researchers were here right now and that we could just see them go, fuck, Jesus Brian, Brian, That would have been so much easier. Brian, the entire school bus of children and their teacher all died <laughs> trying to figure this out. Yeah. Lack of oxygen. Yeah, they needed it was, those, it uh, was comparable to the, to the Titans the submarine tragedy. Can we also just, can we all, like, <laughs> going, back happen, to, right? going back to Miss, the magic uh, school bus, Miss Frizzle, can we also just appreciate and acknowledge that that woman not only was a fucking school teacher, but she had her, she had her like class seven driver's license. She was yeah. driving a fucking bus too. She was yeah. a great science communicator as well. I don't well. know what the actual class license would be. Uh, let's move on Wait, to I'm, some. But I'm, I'm, I'm kind of stuck on this thing of if, if you could make, if like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids was real and you could shrink those kids down and there was this small bus that could go inside you, would you really not be able to breathe inside the human body? Like, is there, is would there no, be I like don't, I don't know. no oxygen for those little tiny kids to breathe in, in the in the gut? There would be. There, I mean, or, I sorry, there wouldn't be. You could. Maybe, but there's probably. I bet you in the lungs, there's a bunch of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah who knows? Maybe, maybe lungs, you just yeah. don't. Maybe if you're smaller, do you need less oxygen? Or if you or can, or if you're like, yeah. if you have or gills a, that can like that can, if you could breathe blood, you could probably. There's probably lots of oxygen there. Hmm. Right. Oh, that's yeah. a that's an interesting question. Yeah. Do you need less oxygen if you're smaller? Can you ask, and not like miniature, like magic school bus smaller, but like if you're just a child. What about? Her, I mean, I suppose your body must need less oxygen because you don't have as much muscle tone. God, your oxygen, your oxygen intake, your oxygen dependency is based on your, uh, your how? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bigger people need more oxygen. <laughs> okay, wait. If you're that's mic- why heavyweights have a really tough time uh, going five rounds. If you were micro sized, could you breathe inside God, guys, a I human hate, body? I hate this so much. <laughs> Um, if you're micro size, is that what you said? Yeah. Breathing at a micro size inside a human body would be scientifically implausible <laughs> for several <laughs> reasons. Oh, actually, this is really interesting. Um, one, oxygen molecule sizes. At a micro size, oxygen molecules would be relatively huge compared to your lungs. Right. You have to size. be like eating them like a donut. <laughs> this right, disparity right. in size can make the process of gas exchange 
through lung tissue, inefficient or impossible. Oh, man, that that actually just made me sad. There's lots of other things. Airway, navigation, immune response, atmospheric conditions. Yeah, there's a lot of things that would be um, bad. The temperature, humidity, and other factors inside the human body are not conducive to the kind of breathing we would do in the open air. There you go. The more you know. Uh, So let's move on to a very fun history lesson. (laughs) Didn't we already have a history lesson? No. Okay. No. That wasn't the history lesson. Um, uh, This is. Guys, why is the History Channel called the History Channel? They they really went off the deep end because they're really <laughs> laying the groundwork for the history of the future. Although they did, they they are they are still. Uh, they, I mean, they they are behind ancient aliens and uh, and great good on them for that. And the Alaskan gold rush um, and whatever show you did for them. I didn't do a History Channel show. Oh oh no, you're right. I did a History Channel movie. It was a, it was a it was a, it was a movie. I knew yeah, that. That's right. Really? Yeah. yeah. It was a. It was, was a the, tank. Uh, he was in a tank. It was yeah. I drove. I got to drive an actual D.D. Sherman tank. What the fuck? And, sh- and shoot a fucking, uh, shoot like a World <clears throat> War II machine gun. I feel like I never knew that. Also, Mr. Beast has been firing a lot of tank bullets lately on his channel. Yeah. He's gearing up. There's a lot yeah. of CGI in those videos, eh? There, there is, quite but astounding. not so much like for... I mean, he does yeah. do some wild shit, but there's also some wild CGI where you're like, why did you do that? Just there drive is, the yeah. bus into the pit. <laughs> like, I don't need to see the fucking bus fake explode, you ding dong. <laughs> Give me a million bucks. Okay, but, uh, I can tell you that nine-year-olds really love that. Uh, antimony. Do you guys know what antimony is? Uh, I've heard no. the word before, but I can't recall what it means. Well, it is the sister of alimony. Uh, antimony is a. It's it's a it's a it's a it's a element. Uh, and, and so antimony pills. Uh, this is something that. So oh right. Uh, the reason why I thought this would be interesting to talk about, Brian, you missed this, but you and I did a a, a, a duo episode when Brian was on Christmas vacation where he took a full month off work. Um, uh, and we talked about that new pill that, uh, that I think it was MIT created. That was a, it, it was a, it was the, like oh. an alternative to like Ozempic. Yeah, right. So it was a, it was like a diet pill or like a weight loss pill. And it vibrated. And, and the pill is actually just a little machine with an engine in it and it vibrates. No way. You swallow it. It sits in your belly. It vibrates. It, it, tricks your body into thinking that it's actually full. You then poop the pill out and then I'm guessing wash it off and swallow it again. I don't know. No. Oh, I thought it actually broke up fat molecules. No, oh. no. It literally just vibrated in your belly oh, okay. and which gave you the sensation that you are fuller oh. than you are. Oh, okay. It's like, uh, it's like drinking a full glass of water before a meal to like reduce right, the right, need right. to fill. Right, mm. right. So the antimony pill was sort of like the the like 19th century version of the of of the robotic pill. Oh, sorry. Yes, now I recall. Yeah, because I so, said this to you yesterday. An antimony pill is a pill this made from metallic antimony. Um, it was a uh, a very popular remedy in the 19th century to purge and revitalize the bowels. Uh, in use, it is swallowed, uh, allowed to pass through the body. After which, it is customarily recovered from the doo-doo for reuse, giving rise to the name, the everlasting pill. Uh, There's also something referred to as the antimonial cup, which yielded a very similar effect. So I have a, uh, I have um, a little sort of excerpt from a 1907 book called According to the uh, Medico Pharmaceutical Critic and Guide, dude, edited by William J. Robinson, that I'm going to read to you. That this is w- referring to these antimony pills. This would be that would be the coolest thing ever to see on like one of speaking of like the History Channel, like an episode of like Pawn Stars, where this like guy comes into the pawn shop um, to have this like thing appraised, and it's like this old cup with this like old pill shaped thing Holy that shit, like. From like way back in the day, and and he's like, "What is this thing? Oh, like, dude, where did this come from? You have no idea. I, I mean, like, so let me get there. <laughs> Wait, that actually. would be fucking crazy. Okay, <laughs> so so I'll read this little piece from the 1907, uh, uh I guess is a, is this a book? I don't know. According to the uh, Medico Pharmaceutical Critic and Guide, okay, <clears throat> by William J. Robinson, <clears throat> four five. Okay, here we go." We have referenced in the past of the economy, which used to be practiced by our forefathers. 
Thus, for instance, it was customary to use leeches over and over again, and there are instances of infection with syphilis by leeches that had been previously used on luetic patients. But we believe that the everlasting cathartic pill beats everything in the line of economy. This pill was a little bullet composed of a metallic antimony, which had or was believed to have the property of purging as often as it was swallowed. It is not inconceivable that it might have had such such property, for it is possible that a a minute amount was dissolved by the gastrointestinal juices, and this amount, plus the suggestion, was sufficient to produce cathartic action. Then again, the everlasting pill probably aided peristalsis. Peristalsis, which, if you are not familiar with peristalsis, it is the action of your belly uh, moving things through the gut, uh, which, which eventually leads to pooping. Uh, where was I? Uh, yes. Peristalsis. Where is that? Uh, there we go. Uh, by its mechanical weight and motion. Okay, this bullet was passed out, aka shit out, recovered from the feces or the shit, mm-hmm. and used over and over again. This, as Doctor J. A. Paris says, was economy in right earnest. For a single pill could serve a whole family during their lives and might oh. be transmitted as an heirloom to posterity. No. So um, uh, he used the word in there. Um, Heirloom. No. <laughs> Which I'm sure that this was fine because I know Cathartic. that like I know that that hygiene standards back in like the early 1900s were they were a bit like, different. They were higher than they are. Today. Yeah. You mean so, they had like better cleaning products and things like that? So they really were getting all the bacteria. Yeah, because all the natural green people weren't alive yet, so they weren't there to ruin it for everybody. <laughs> so, uh, so he used the word cathartic, and in medicine, cathartic is like a it's it's basically a form of laxative. Um, so so I had mentioned the antimonial, um, or sorry, the the antimony pill, which that was used to uh, make you shit. Now there's the antimonial cup. Okay. Now the antimonial cup was a small half pint mug or cup cast in antimony popular in Europe during the 17th and 18th centuries. They were also known under the names, uh, pocula emetica or calluses vomitory or emetic cups. Um, and as wine was kept in these cups for a 24-hour period, uh, it, it gave the wine an emetic or laxative quality. Uh, the tar- uh, tar- tartaric acid in the wine acted upon the metal cup and formed what's called tartarized antimony. And this is something that makes you, uh, that makes you throw up. Okay, so these cups were used to pour wine into, which basically took some of the antimony from the cup That's right. and then put it into the wine so that when you drank the wine, then you would have that effect it that was the like pill was giving you. It was like 18th century uh, epicac, okay? Right. So, so um, here's, a, here's an image. This is like modern day. The modern day epicac would make, would make this modern man in sandals <laughs> do what he's doing, which he's vomiting, okay? Um <laughs> So oh, that's, that's, that's that guy there, right? Jesus. Okay. So now, now the antimony cup back in the day would be we we would see this. Okay. So <laughs> we can see here that there is a, a couple of a uh, couple of women uh, standing for people just just listening. There's a couple of women. This is a this is a, a painting from actually the eighth century. Showing this looks a, much more civilized. Showing a, showing a uh, although still sandals. <laughs> it's yeah. <laughs> Not much has changed since the <laughs> since the uh, since the. Uh, 700s. Uh, so this is a guy from the 8th century puking, and you can see that his maybe his maid or his wife. Actually, I think the maid is in the back going, "You got it," and then the wife is holding <laughs> yeah, his head, going, "You right. got it, baby. That's you got right. it." And he's and he's. <laughs> oh, so so antimonial cups. So here's your here's your uh, pawn stars or your like uh, the 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 great antique roadshow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Antimonial cups are extremely rare. So rare that there's only six known in Great Britain. No. All of them are in London. I got two. Six in my attic. Two are no, in the don't. Netherlands, Amsterdam and Leiden. 
One is in Switzerland. One is in Italy. Um, and another one that is in London, specifically, is believed to have belonged to Captain James Cook, who is an a ancient English navigator. Um, and it is in the National Maritime Museum uh, in, uh, at Gren- Greenwich. Um, now, the reason that he had an antimonial cup is mostly of speculation. Um, anything from stomach problems to scurvy. Now, personally, I think, I, you know, I think it's just as likely that he had uh, uh, emetophilia, um, which emetophilia, uh, also known as Roman shower, uh, is the sexual arousal from vomiting, being vomited on, or watching others vomit. Yeah, it's I called like Roman a- shower? <laughs> like that's a... Ugh. Fucking coming. Um, <laughs> oh, Jesus. That was my impression of uh, oh my God. Captain um, James Cook. Do you have a picture of these cups? I'm yeah, wondering, like, so, yeah, are yes. they ornate? Uh, so, or are they like so, kind so, of whatever? So this is actually the cup that Captain James Cook had for his uh, emetophilia. Uh, you can see it right here. And when he would drink from this cup. Oh, fuck. Fucking coming. That's what he would do. That's what he it's would do. A, so it's like gold with a bit of like a, like gold trim and like an sort of, it's kind I don't of know, what is that? I mean, what is that nice sort cup. of like emblem looking? I, I don't think it's gold. I think that's the lighting. I think it's silver. Gold, silver, silver in color. In this. Yeah, it might be silver. It's, well, fuck, dude. This is like the dress. Like, is it? <laughs> Right. looks gold to me, but I, I don't know. I don't know where you're seeing it's, silver. But. It's, it's gold colored in the image that we're looking yeah. at, but it could be lighting that is reflected off of silver, but it, it, looks, it looks pretty gold. Looks, looks gold. It looks gold on my, on my laptop too, so I don't, I don't know. Anyway, so yeah, yeah, that's the antimonial pill, or sorry, antimony pill and the antimonial cup. Well, that is uh, super gross. And that, uh, super that gross concludes that. this edition of the History Channel uh, brought to you by Sickboy Podcast. It really is, um, man, we, it's so interesting. Like that, everything like that just makes me think like, what are the things that in a hundred, 150 years, we're going to be <clears> there's saying gonna be the same thing, but three ding dong sitting around going, can you fucking believe in 2000, the 2020s, yeah. they were doing the COVID vaccine. <laughs> <laughs> they thought vaccines worked. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, fuck. I mean, as funny as, as insane as that seems, it's like, who knows? I mean, fuck there. Who knows? But the, I think the difference though, is that, and like, yeah, I agree with you. I think that we will do that. Eventually that will happen. Cause sure. they were sitting around with the antimony cup being like, this is it. Well, there's a difference like, between yeah. like it. knowing, like having <clears throat> pretty conclusive science on something and like and i guess in even in saying that like science the science changes, changes. science is always wrong but, yeah. but the <laughs> look at eggs look at, look at eggs i mean no i mean that science is yeah, always yeah, wrong yeah, yeah it's always uh, it's always eggs. it's always being improved upon and, re- and you know and what about eggs oh you don't know the whole history of fucking eggs oh it's like one Dude, it's oh like, you egg mean, white's you mean bad like, yeah yeah, egg, yeah, yeah yellow's yeah. good egg yeah. oh nah, uh egg yellow's good the uh, debate on whether eggs are good for you or bad for you is like it's oh, like it's, the, it's like the urine thing. It's yeah. like it's like, man, wasn't didn't we settle this? It's like, no. The thing though evolving. is 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 like that is worth saying at this point is that there is better science, and so therefore we we have a better understanding of how some of these things work because we understand scientifically. I agree why with you, happening. but in 150 years, we, they might look at the science we're doing now and go, "Those dummies yep. had no idea." Yeah. 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 In 100 years, they're going to go, they should have listened to Grush. Uh, all right, folks, <laughs> let's uh, let's wrap this up. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, thanks for the support uh, to the folks that come over to YouTube and leave comments. We love seeing that. Actually, uh, Chelsea on YouTube um, actually answered the question that I had that was still rubbing me the wrong way for days and days after. I was trying to come up with the word, the term of the one-sided relationship that people tend to have with things like celebrities or podcast hosts. Mm. And uh, it is parasocial relationship. That's the word I was looking for there. Mm. And, uh, and a lot of people have parasocial relationships with us because we're in their ears uh, so many times a That's week right. and they get to know us through our, you know, through the podcast and, and personally right know here. us. That's right. That's right. right, right, here. right like the, here. like the, like the nurse at the, at the, uh, at, at the QE2 who, who was like, it would be sweet if you could get a catheter in for the show. Yeah. Right. Like yeah, she thought that that was a totally cool thing to say, and you let us all. <laughs> Which it was. I thought you let us all down. It was, yeah. yeah. Uh, so thanks for the support there. Thanks for the comments. Thanks for the people who watch on YouTube. Um, and if you want to watch, just come check it out. It's fun. I mean, this is the only episode uh, of the three episodes a week that we actually put on YouTube, 
and uh, and we'd love to have you over there. Um, and if you want to support the podcast further, come on over to our Discord. Uh, it's constantly growing. A beautiful community of folks who are chiming in every single week with episode discussions, sharing their own personal stories, uploading super fucked up graphic photos of their health shit. Uh, you know, if you want to see someone's someone's pants full of blood because the blood came out of their poopy hole, you can do that at our Discord, and the Discord link is in the show notes. Uh, so come on over. And uh, of course, as always, rate and review the podcast wherever you can do that because that does make a difference and it means the world to us. And if you want to be a guest on the show, go to sickpointpodcast.com, fill out the form. And thanks as always to the folks who helped make this show happen. Uh, shout out to our production assistant, Annika, uh, to our manager, Jeff. To- who actually sent me the antimony thing. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. Okay, great. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, you could have done that more easily and not had to send that to Taylor if you were in our Discord. So, uh, Jeff, maybe hop on Discord. Thanks to uh, Donovan, to Rich, to all the other people who help with this show, not just on our Friday episodes, but on our Monday and Wednesday ones, too. We love you all, and we couldn't do this without you. That is it for this week. I'm Brian. I'm Taylor. And I'm Jeremy, and this is Sick Boy. For more CBC podcasts, go to cbc.ca/podcasts.